Alright, everyone, welcome back to the Credentials Buffering Podcast. Tonight we have a very special episode. It's myself, Dean, and Becca, and tonight we are talking about the Republican National Convention. Oh, yeah. So, let's start it off. Uh, Becca, why don't you tell me your favorite parts about it? Alright, favorite parts. The overall positivity of the week. I feel like a lot of what we're seeing recently on the news has been complaining, just negative outlooks on the future. I like how most of this convention was focused around what America is good at, what we can be better at, and how we can improve. I was a big fan of the positivity. Uh, I was too. It's definitely a big differentiation from the DNC convention, which I also watched. You know, watching the Democratic National Convention, a lot of people call it the DN or the RNC, you know, kind of fear-mongering or whatever form it may take, but the DNC was really the epitome of that. It was, hey, like, you know, you have what people want to call superstars on there, like Bill Clinton and Hillary Clinton, and pretty much everybody that came on the DNC stage was to talk trash about Donald Trump, and the RNC was really the exact opposite. It was uh, it was really just to kind of talk about how these last few years have been, and uh, not even necessarily Donald Trump, but how well it's been for the most part. I enjoyed that a lot more. Uh, a lot more positivity in the RNC. It was a lot more America's great, America's great, we've made America great, the economy's doing great, you know, some bad stuff happens. But for the most part, the whole, po- or the whole convention was America, America, America. And you really didn't see that with the DNC was my biggest thing. Yeah, the DNC, I mean, they didn't have much great things, great stuff to say about Joe Biden. It was just... Trump sucks. sucks. Yeah, it was really just anti-Trump stuff. And then, you know, Hillary Clinton gets on there, too, for the DNC convention and says, hey, uh, you know, she says something ridiculous like, hey, you can still win the popular vote by three million and Donald Trump will steal it away from you. Like... I saw that. Like, she was bragging about being a professional at losing to Donald Trump. Like, why? Uh, I know. It was like, that's not okay. That's super weird. Yeah. Everybody knows why the Electoral College, you know, is there. I mean, the Electoral College exists for a reason. It's so California, New York, and Texas couldn't singularly decide who wins the presidency. Yeah, yeah, I think that's that's crazy. So I think for most, like, normal losers or, like, idiots, you know, that kind of resonates with that. And they're like, oh, my gosh, Hillary Clinton won the popular vote? Like, ah, whatever. Shouldn't she have been president then? That doesn't make any sense. But, you know, that's just not how the Electoral College works. Not how it works. And it was was set up for a reason. So, um, all right, Rebecca, how about any favorite speeches? What did you enjoy Uh, about the RNC? Yeah, this, my opinion is super biased because I have been following Madison Cawthorn since his start in politics. I've been a huge fan of his since he started. So obviously I thought his speech was amazing. It was a bit theatric at the end, you know? It was like kind of a lot, kind of corny, but I feel like it was the patriotic push that the night needed. I thought it was really good. And then, um, of course, I love uh, Eric and Donald Trump Jr. Just just seeing kids support their parents is like... <laughs> well, yeah, let's talk about that. Okay, so Donald Trump has the biggest, uh, I don't want to say propaganda tool, but... We've never really had a president like this before who can use his children as a weapon. Yeah. And Eric Trump, Don Jr., Ivanka, they're all absolute political weapons. And I I feel like it's so, it feels so much more sincere or so much more whatever when your kids get up there and talk about you on stage. Like, 
Don Jr., obviously a superstar. Ivanka is a little more classy and a little more, um, a little more honed, I guess, if you, if you'd say that, but she's still fantastic too, but I, I feel like it carries so much more weight when your children get up on stage and endorse you. Yeah, there's something about hearing, a, like, a speech supporting them and then hear them saying, like, my dad, and it's like... Yeah, yeah, Don Jr. will get up there and say, hey, my fuck... Uh, okay, so best quote of the spe or best quote of the convention by far was, uh, what did he say? Um, Don, it was from Don Jr., and he said, uh, the silence, um, the silence minor majority will become the silenced majority, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Uh, he said, if you don't go, go out and vote... Th oh, here it is. Uh, if you don't go out and vote, the silent majority will become the silenced majority. And that was just the most resonating line, for sure, I think, that came out of the DNC, or the RNC convention. Yeah, no, absolutely. I thought that was amazing. So I love that. And uh, the best part about it, too, is like Donald Trump's kids can go out and campaign in you know five different states while he's in one place. So, um, a lot of people were giving the RNC flack because it all took place at the White House, or, you know, a lot of it did. Which, I mean, what, what are you going to do? Where else would you do it? Coronavirus. <laughs> like, it's not, you know, they were they planned on having it in Charleston, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Uh, but obviously had to reschedule due to the coronavirus. So, you know, we had Melania Trump in the Rose Garden. We had, I, I think Donald Trump gave his speech from... Somewhere, somewhere there at the White House, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but also, I I love that. I think it's a lot more powerful, and I love the movement behind it. I I what I loved about the RNC was everything was just so much more, so much more positive. Yeah, the there were like a few speeches that threw me off. Like, um, who was it? Pam Bondi came on. I had such high hopes for her speech, and then it was just her complaining about Joe Biden the whole time, and I was like. <laughs> We're really on a good path before that. I don't know why you did that. There uh, there were a few speeches. Who was it the first night? Um, it was, you know, that woman who was the former Secretary of State. Uh, they were saying that she might have a, a presidency run in the future. Um, but are you sure it was Secretary of State? Was it not Nikki Haley? It was Nikki Haley. Okay, yeah, 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 what yeah. was she? Not, she was not a Secretary UN ambassador. Oh, that's right. She was the ambassador. Uh, yeah. Okay, so yeah, it was stuff like that. Like, those positions felt like really traditional roles to have at some sort of Democratic or Republican convention. Uh, all that seemed like really traditional stuff, like, okay, let's get our political superpowers, and then everybody's going to talk up Trump. But besides her, I didn't feel like that with uh, most of the convention. Yeah, I agree. Most of it was just talking about how great the economy was, how great Trump has done. It wasn't really... It, it really wasn't a traditional vibe, so I love that about it. Yeah. Um, another another speech that I loved, and my dad actually loved it. He didn't know who this was before the last or night two. Uh, wow. Nick Sandman. My dad thought that was oh, the coolest I thing ever. I thought it was so cool. I mean, you get defamed by CNN, and then you go through this whole process, win a lawsuit against CNN, and then roast cnn on cnn oh i love it i i fucking love it you're you're totally right yeah he won like 120 million dollars or something in this lawsuit <laughs> That's and then, yeah he gets to go up at the rnc convention and then just absolutely roast them like. <laughs> oh he was so good 
there were so many moments from the RNC that just felt a lot more genuine than the DNC, though. You know, we had the naturalization process. We had uh, we had words from just a lot of people um, that were describing, you know, uh, Trump, let's see, night one. Trump brought all the people that he had rescued from, like, caves in Afghanistan, like, to speak. Like, you know, yeah. all these, all these like, foreign people that were foreign prisoners but were United States citizens. <laughs> okay, biggest power move is to literally go and rescue these people from around the world and then sit them in the Oval Office and be like, yeah, here, you can thank me on public Yeah, terms. thank me in front of everybody. <laughs> For rescuing your ass. Yeah, they can't really say no, right? Yeah, what are you supposed to do? You're like, uh, uh, this is amazing. Like, yeah, I'm yeah. not rotting in some in some uh, jail cell in Indochina or something. Yep, that's true. Much better. So I I thought that was really pretty genuine, though. Most of the people I feel like had really real emotions about that, and you know they had a few speakers on there who really talked about their businesses and how much it's been better doing better under the Trump administration. And really just a lot of policies that brings the Trump administration together, which is business, business, business. And I, I feel like that's so relatable for most people. Yeah, and I think it helped that they brought on a lot of, like, middle America blue-collar workers. That's a lot of who he's pandering to. That's a lot of the people he needs to relate to. I thought that was super useful. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And I listened to a show the other day and was talking about how John Jr. is the strongest relatable person to the middle class. But I saw that a lot during the RNC. Uh, I thought he was super relatable. And you know, uh, the you know they talk about the silent majority that won Trump the election in 2016. Um, I feel like most of those people still don't have anything to complain about with Donald J. Trump. I mean, I, I just feel like there's not that much. I mean, there's a lot of people or a lot of things people could say about the convention, but for the most part, I felt it was very genuine and uh, very engaging to that vote that maybe he's not been missing, but if there were anybody on the outskirts, I feel like that's very relatable for them. Yeah, I think the whole time I was watching it, I was I was sitting there and I was like, I can't see how you can watch this and in any way not like what's happening. Unless you genuinely hate the United States of America, which is like, is a that's a problem in and of itself. Yeah. That convention was flooring. That, it was amazing. Well, here's the tough part, too, is they tried not to talk about Trump too much. They tried to talk about, um, what they did is just talk about America. They said, you know, America's fantastic. America's been doing a great job. You know, uh, they're given the reins to run under this new administration. And most of it was, it wasn't, it wasn't Trump's great, Trump's great, Trump's great. It was Trump's enacting policies that's really letting the, um, letting the nation go free in a lot of senses letting the nation thrive, and I think that resonated with a lot of people. I um, I watched the DNC, you know, obviously the uh, first few nights of it too, and uh, I try and be objective for the most part, but you look at the DNC and there was just so much negativity with it. And with the RNC, I was totally, I, I felt like it was totally different. Yeah, definitely agree. I actually have, um, I have a professor... Oh, really? He every day will go on Facebook and write, like, a full phone screen length rant. Uh, Like a boomer rant on Facebook? Every day without fail. And it's always about conservative politics. He hates it. 
and he picked apart every last piece of the RNC, as if he doesn't have other things to do. Like, we're not going to have a whole online semester of this class that he needs to organize. But it was just insane to me to see somebody, like, openly, like, post about how much they hate America. It's, like, it's mind-blowing. It's It's insane. Well, that was, uh, that's what most of the DNC felt like, too. It was, yeah. um, it, it was, it wasn't very relatable. It was tough to relate to for everyday people. It was, you know, Hillary Clinton saying she got robbed at the election and Bill Clinton trying to less, or, uh, trying to lecture Donald Trump on the ethics of the Oval Office. It was, uh, it was a lot of stuff that I just feel like really isn't relatable to blue-collared Americans, which is where the DNC lost the vote. Yeah. Yeah. Or, uh, I, I mean, if you want to say it, you know, it's kind of, you know, Democratic or liberal soccer moms, you know, really lost <laughs> yeah. the election in 2016, too. So, I mean, I feel like it's tough. The DNC was not relatable at all on any of those aspects. And uh, Melania came out, too. I love Melania's speech, which, you know, she isn't really a big, um, you know, you have all, all of Donald Trump's children and they're all great political aspects but i feel like melania is really not a big political aspect other than you know just being a a first wife you know she's gorgeous and she's a foreigner and she's fantastic and all those aspects but i feel like a lot of those things are tough for her so when she comes out and gives a speech in the rose garden uh about a lot of the rnc things i I think that's relatable to a lot of people too and even that like People were giving her a hard time about that. I know, like, Bette Midler said something to her and was like, oh, still can't speak English? Like, what a waste of time and energy it is to just complain and pick apart every piece of it. It's, It's got to be exhausting. Yeah, I mean, all that stuff is rough, too. And like I said, Melania is really not a political... Um, she's really not a political weapon. She's the first woman. She's fantastic. We all love her. Uh, also, not to brag too much, hottest first lady fucking ever. Like, yeah, true. <laughs> coming from a guy's point of view, like awesome first lady. Like we went from uh, went from Michelle Obama to like Melania Trump. Like, wow, mind blown. What is going on? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Go from like a like a three to a ten. Like, can't help yourself. <laughs> but um, but yeah, Melania Trump's really not a big political asset either so when she comes out and say says something i feel like it carries a lot more weight you know um michelle obama if we want to talk about her you know she was obviously groomed obviously really knew what was going on uh very well educated too but you could tell when she came out and spoke that this was an orchestrated speech that had been decided for her you know 12 days in advance or whatever it was um Bolania just sounds a lot more um it sounds like it comes a lot more from the heart yeah I agree. I think it's good to have that, though, to show that sort of more familial dynamic as opposed to, like, a husband and a wife who are both politicians having a very clear, like, we, we are politicians, but we're also a family. That, yeah. that makes them a hundred times more relatable. Uh, yeah, t- totally different, too. You know, so we, if we want to touch on that, you know, we look at Barack Obama and... Um, Michelle, wait, Michelle, right? Yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I can't believe I almost forgot that. Uh, Michelle Obama. So we look at that, and, you know, they both went to um, uh, University of Chicago. You know, ver- both very on the same scale. So, you know, it was 
when Michelle Obama came out and said something, you know, like we had the the whole like lunch program thing, and I feel like there were a lot of programs that Michelle Obama was desperate for because she just felt so much uh, more political. Whereas, uh, whereas, um, sorry, uh, Melania, yeah, <laughs> break it up. Whereas Melania comes at things from an actually apolitical stance, so it's totally different. I feel like Michelle tried to approach everything as a political operative, and uh, Melania didn't, so I really appreciate that. Yeah, me too, for sure. What was your favorite part? Uh, my favorite part was probably the Don Jr. speech, uh, which I think it was night one. Yep. Uh, when he said, uh, you know, the, the silent majority will become the silenced majority if they don't vote. I, I think that was the best quote out of the whole convention. I, I loved how the RNC was put on. I liked a lot of aspects on it. Um, I think it would have been a lot better in Charleston where they were originally planning to have it. Uh, I feel like it was more difficult to that, for them to do online. Uh, just because the DNC, I felt like that's something they really lacked, is they planned on having it all online, but it was just so impersonal that it, it you couldn't relate to it. It was Bill Clinton sitting in his, like, book study being like, you know who's a bad president in the Oval Office is Donald <laughs> J. Trump. He doesn't, you know, uh, uh, I'm, I'm here in my study, like, yeah. I, uh, I, I'm not relatable at all. I was like, I didn't tell him not to fuck interns, but, you know, it's totally fine. <laughs> and I felt like that was so impersonal. And then you had Hillary Clinton out there like, I lost by three million votes. But uh, make sure you turn out to vote because they'll steal the election away from you. I, I feel like that's just not relatable to uh, the blue-collared Americans and the everyday Americans where they lost this vote. And I, I guess the DNC just doesn't realize this is where they lost the vote. Is this in personal status? Yeah. And uh, something else that I thought was really strong too was you know, the uh, the Republicans really stole away the minority vote. Uh, for the 2016 election. And the DNC tries so hard, but it's just not something that's relatable for them to win back that minority vote either. Also, they're they're trying to win it over by bringing on top percent, absolutely loaded black celebrities. That's yeah, not helping. Yeah, totally 1%. You know, it's like Al Sharpton, and it's like, uh, you know, number one. Which everybody has to remember, too, Barack Obama didn't even endorse Joe Biden until he was like... He had to. I don't yeah. want to say physically forced to, but it was like the last, last second. And he was like, fuck, okay, I have to endorse Joe Biden. Yep. Uh, but the Trump team has done a really good job of um, really taking care of uh, criminal reform. He's done a lot for helping act actually helping out those minority communities, and I think that's something that resonated in the RNC convention quite a bit, too, is it's just so tough. Um, but they'd have those actual community members that would come onto the RNC and tell their stories and how they were affected by it. So I think that was the strongest part of the RNC. Yeah, I agree. I think overall just putting up a unified front, like regardless of it being virtual or whatever, like they still... We're all, like, standing in the same spots. I think the, the backgrounds looked really good. I think, not that yeah, optics should matter that much, but it does. It just makes it that much more serious for people. Well, here's the tough part, too, coming up with the elections. I feel like the DNC is really not a united front. 
but the Republican Party really is a united front. I mean, um, they all understand what's at stake, and they understand how to take care of it. So there were a lot of issues I feel like they felt they needed to push, and they pushed all of them very effectively, more than just having political um, political folks on to say, um, you know, like, hey, I endorse uh, Joe Biden. You know, it, it, it was a lot more weight than that. It was, here, tell your story. Yeah. So I think that's going to resonate with a lot of people more. Which Donald Trump is such a polarizing figure, too. I don't know if this is going to actually have any relation on the actual election. But if anybody's on the fence, I feel like this resonates with them. Yeah, I mean, hearing a party being all on the same page, I'm voting for this person because I like him, versus I'm voting for this person because he's the lesser of two evils. It's like, that doesn't make you want to vote for Joe Biden at all. Exactly. Here, what I really think is going to happen during the election is everybody that's trying to vote for Joe Biden is voting for the lesser of two evils, and they just, like, you know, they're hardcore blue no matter who, you know, voters. But when I feel, I feel like when election day comes around, they might totally forget about it, or they might just totally stay home, you know? Yeah, which I think is super different, because I know it's my first time voting in an election, in a presidential election anyways, and I'm, like, super pumped. Like, so excited to, really? to go to the polls. I'm, this is your first yeah. election. Yeah, I I just missed it in 2016, so. Congrats. Yeah, thank I'm, you. I'm actually doing absentee voting from D.C., so party on. Yeah, it's also my first time that I'm not at school, so I can, like, actually go to polls in my hometown for even local yeah, elections. Yeah, I can go to polls, so... <laughs> Uh, another fucked up thing is I totally missed the, did you see the fireworks show in front of the White House? No. There was a, uh, fireworks show and it was Trump 2020 in front of the White House on, um, in, at the National Mall. Oh, and you missed it? I was literally, like, there earlier in the day and had no idea it was gonna take place. And then I watched <laughs> it on Twitter, like, five minutes after it happened and I was so pissed off. I was like, what the, what the fuck? Like, I... Like, I literally could have watched this in person. Yeah, that's tough for sure. Let's do a final thought. So let's do your favorite speech. Uh, I said it. I already said Madison Cawthorn, so I'll go with my, my next favorite. I really liked Jack Brewer's speech. I think seeing, um, I think seeing converted Democrats talk about their awakenings and just the way that they were being blinded before. I think seeing that is super powerful. So I like Jack Brewer's speech a lot. I think that's very relatable, too. Yeah. Because a lot of people are voting blue, and they're like, I can never vote red. I can never switch, which you absolutely can. Yeah, yeah I, you know, I'm just a, I, I'm a liberal. I'm a Democrat. I de- oh, he's so, she's so cute. Um, okay, so my favorite speeches were John Jr., I think that was very uh, very relatable and very real. And Nick Sandman yeah. was my other favorite one because he just, like, trolled every single person on the internet. Like, Yeah. He literally, like, just took CNN for, like, $120 million, and then he comes up on the RNC and is like, hey, fuck you, CNN. Yeah, like, you guys suck. They tried, to, they tried to ruin my life, and I took, you know, like $120 million from them. So I think that was pretty awesome. Yeah, also at such a young age to be that involved, I think, is cool. Yeah, he's, what, 16, 17 years yeah. old, so yeah. I, I, I love that aspect. Yeah, I think that's super powerful and super relatable to young voters. That's going to, like, 
inspire a lot of people to be more adamant about voting when they do turn 18. Yeah, maybe not this year, but I, I think a lot of people uh, did understand that, you know, giant political operative, and he's just a kid. Like, have you heard of C.J. Pearson? Yeah. So, like, C.J. Pearson, the same thing. He's just a kid. I think this will be the first election he can vote in, but he's already a very p powerful political operative. So I think all that is super relatable. But uh, let's see. In general, I think the RNC was very relatable. It was very American. It felt like uh, they were trying to resonate. Um, you know, nobody was trying to trash America like the DNC was. Uh, they brought up a lot of real issues. They said a lot of things that I think really resonates with most people. Or that silence majority. Or whatever you want to call it. I feel like a lot of those issues resonated during the RNC, and the RNC was really just more of a celebration of America more than it was for the re-election campaign for Donald Trump. Yeah, I agree. Um, something else I love, too, is Donald Trump had an event every night, whatever it took yeah. the form of. So I love that. I think that uh, really conveys strength and power, and I think a lot of people understand that, too, where Joe Biden's just like some mumbling idiot trapped somewhere in the basement he's just some mumbling idiot that they bring out and they're like yeah i uh uh green new deal um uh democrats yeah that's great donald trump sucks but i think donald trump really resonates all of his power i think he i don't want to say donald trump is necessarily relatable either but when he goes and talks about the issues he talks about issues that matter to everyday people not just the political elite so i love that aspect yeah and every time he had an event or spoke it was to appeal to the middle class yeah which i think is like a much bigger chunk than most people give it credit for yeah well i mean if you look at the dnc you know joe biden's ahead 30 points but it's really tough to see that on paper and it doesn't make any sense at all yeah, November will be interesting. <laughs> uh, yeah, come up for the show. Oh, yeah. <laughs> since, uh, since I moved up here, my cousin wants to come up and see the election with me. That would be so cool. All right, thank you all so much for uh, tuning in. I guess words to take home at the end of the night are RNC, positive, middle class America, DNC, a little bit negative, not middle class America. Uh, make sure to like and follow us on all social media. We now have a Twitter account, so we have that, Instagram. Uh, make sure to check us out. Give us a like. Give us a share. And uh, I guess we'll catch you next week. Appreciate it. Tell everyone bye, bye Becca. Bye.